Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia sent to B into the candy bowl? I think that's really weird. They're like, Dad, why are you walking around the house so upset? I'm like, I'm watching this dang Virginia defense right now. I can't do it. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now via Zoom is former BYU and NFL linebacker. He's a Super Bowl champion. Brady Papinga, who was in the stadium for the Virginia at BYU shootout melee. Brady, Let's talk about this wallpaper behind yeah, it's, you. It's great to have you back on the show. That, that is quite the wallpaper, man. Fancy. Yeah, well, it's you know, my wife's choice, so I just kind of go with whatever she wants to go with. <laughs> it's you know? nice, dude. Whatever she wants to live. So, hey. I mean, I didn't really have a saying, so yeah. we're good. Hey, listen, Brady, you uh, if with that knowledge and logic, you you clearly have uh, matured and grown up nicely. I mean, that uh, when you go with the wife, that, that that is an important thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy life, happy wife. You guys know how it is, so... <laughs> BYU number 15 in the college football playoff rankings after that wild win against Virginia, 66-49. What do you think about BYU's placement in the initial college football playoff poll and now their lingering heartbeat for a New Year's Six hope? Well, I think there is a national acknowledgement of BYU and how well they're playing. That's what it showed me. They got two losses, but yet they're right in the thick of at least you know being in the 15 and they could jump up maybe into the top 10 as they continue to play out the year, get some style points the next couple of weeks. And if they really, you know, have a dominant win versus USC, which is possible uh, with all the turmoil that's happened down there uh, things. And with people losing in front of them, things could really change for, for them and being in that position, which be in it, in and of itself, whether they get that New Year's six pole invite or not is already like a, a very, good indication that the nation in general is starting to wake up to BYU football. I believe last year was kind of where everybody was like, wait, what's going on over there? And then this year it's just really exploded with the big 12 invite. And then the the way they're playing too, like you heard Bronco after the game, he's like, Hey, this is one of the most, if not the most physical team paraphrasing what he said that we faced. And then, you know, you match it up with their skill positions. And so it's, it's, it's respect and, and people are starting to take notice. Put some respect on BYU's name. It felt good, right? Especially after last year where BYU showed up at 14 and we thought BYU would be higher and they weren't and they had to take the Coastal game to feel like they could go up, blah, blah, blah. This year has been so validating, Brady, because now BYU is going into the Big 12 and it's like, okay, can BYU have a season where it has a ton of Power Fives and survive? Yes is the answer, and thrive. Because next year, BYU's got Notre Dame and Baylor and Arkansas and Stanford and Oregon. I mean, that's going to be another tough one. So what has BYU done to sort of climb into this position where we think, hey, maybe BYU can go into the Big 12 and not just be there but compete well? I mean, the biggest thing that they they have going for them is they're a complete team. You know, I mean, there's so many years to where it's like, okay, you'll have really good offensive linemen or defensive linemen. And this is more specific to BYU. And then maybe you'll have like a good skill position player here or there. And then, you know, you get against these teams who, who have more ample supply of skill position, you get exploited, you know? And so what you're seeing is across the board, they have guys to where you could go out 
as we saw against Virginia, like everybody thinks that that game shows how bad BYU's defense is. They give up 35 points in the second quarter, which, you know, that's, that's tough. But I mean, look at the other quarters, especially in the second half, they tighten things down. My point is, is that game was a game. I mean, Virginia's offense is loaded. I mean, loaded. Okay. You guys saw two, you saw three, number four is okay. Zero was good. I've watched them all year. That is no team has stopped that offense, you know, and BYU has actually played the best against that offense than any other team in the AC, including, you know, all the ACC teams they face. So to me, it's just the, the completeness of BYU football right now. Brady Papinga's with us on BYU. Uh, that I have seen. I, I mean, it's, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, sure. And, and, and Brady, I, I'd like I'd like to talk some more about uh, Elisa Tuiaki and the adjustments he made at halftime specifically. Uh, what did you like, and and what was the cause of BYU turning it around so that you're like, look, see, this is a good defense. What what did you see from them so, so that they have earned the right to receive some more respect on the defensive side of the ball? Well, the biggest thing about them, and it's been a theme all year, is their philosophy isn't like, hey, we're going to go shut you down. And to where we just suffocate you, you know, and, and in today's world of football to where all the rules, both in college, the pros, I mean, even in high school, basically favor the offense. You may never see a defense like that again. Maybe you'll see one once every 10 years. Like in the NFL, you've seen the Broncos and the Seahawks. And that's about it. You know, after that, you don't see defenses just clamping down on offenses anymore. So now it becomes more of, hey, we have to mitigate the big plays. And then when it is critical moments, we have to find a way to make a stop. And so when you look at those two elements, don't give up the big play consistently, and then then find a way to make a stop, whether it's forcing a fumble, getting an interception, or just getting off the field in a critical moment, they've done that. And that's all you can ask for. I don't care. If you think that this BYU or any defense for that matter is going to be a defense that's going to shut teams down and it's going to be a 66 to zero game. Oh, now I'm going to be happy with the defense. You're living in a fantasy land. Okay. Get, take off. You know, maybe you're on drugs. I don't know. I'm not trying to, you know, tell anybody who's a drug addict out there that you're a drug addict, but it's not reality. Okay. Yeah. You're wearing those glasses. You've probably injected some substance into your body to where your sense of reality is not accurate. Okay. Playing good defense in today's era is not giving up the big play consistently and then being able to make critical plays and critical moments to help your team win games. And if you have to give up 49 points or however many points BYU you gave up, as long as your offense has one more point, that's a win for everybody, okay? And that's a good team. And you face other good teams. And let me tell you another thing. What's good about this schedule and, and I think – because I think in the BYU Fandonium, people think that, oh, if for us to have a successful season – we need to go undefeated, just like they did back in the 80s. No, get ready, because when you go to the Big 12, you are going to be able to, and this is what's great about being in the Big 12, you can you could have this exact same record, and if they were in the Big 12, they might just be in the top 10. Yeah. And you want to win your conference, and you have enough style points, and, and it looks like the, the college playoffs can expand anyway. But you go on to win your conference, you're in the championship or in the tournament for the championship. And hell, you may even lose four games. So don't just, I mean, people get so nuclear when it comes to like a little adversity because they're so used to the eighties when BYU was in the whack and they're going undefeated. And that's not, that's not where it's at. And there's a lot of parody, but BYU is very well positioned 
And yes, their defense is a really good defense. Don't look at all those statistics. It's very easy to see. If you want to see a bad defense, okay, you had a good one last week with Virginia. Their defense <laughs> is bad. Okay? And I can say that my brother's part of that defense, and he admits it, and I've been watching them just as much as I've been watching BYU. I would say BYU's defense, I, I can live with them. I'm happy with them. Virginia defense, they make me so mad that you ask my, my kids – they're like, Dad, why are you walking around the house so upset? I'm like, I'm watching this dang Virginia defense right now. I can't do <laughs> Brady Papinga's with us on BYU Sports Have Nation. an opinion, Brady. Absolutely bringing it today. Gosh. This is the energy we need on Friday. Uh, of course, we push forward to BYU's senior day against Idaho State. You talked about style points. We're focusing on the guys who are underclassmen who might be playing their final game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and we think that Tyler Algier is probably playing his final home game. Where do you stand on the Tyler Algier leaving BYU early to pursue an NFL career? He needs to. Um, And, you know, the NIL has been great, but that's not going to compensate him for the kind of money he's going to be able to make in the NFL. And running backs, especially his style, He's got a very limited shelf life. I mean, this guy, if he played five years in the NFL, would be a really great career for him. And you don't want to change out one year in the NFL for one. I mean, just speaking business. Now, I mean, if he's got an emotional attachment to BYU and he wants to come back with his teammates, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's great. And and money's not everything. But just purely from a business standpoint, hey, I want to maximize my my ability to make money while playing football. He's got to go. There's no question about it. Another guy that's, you know, I didn't want, I don't, I hope he's not watching. So Peyton, turn off your, uh, turn off your <laughs> radio. Do not look at this, but Peyton Wilger, I mean, I, he's a, he's a redshirt sophomore, but I believe he's a guy that he should turn in his, this is what I believe he should do. He should turn his papers in, see where the NFL evaluates him. If he's in a first or second round situation, he should strongly consider if he gets a first through third round, maybe fourth round grade, he needs to strongly consider getting insurance if he feels like he wants to come back and maybe, you know, up his draft stock. I don't know. But he's a guy that, I mean, there's, I watched, like I've watched him closely for the last couple of years and he's improved tremendously and I continue. I mean, this guy is, he's the next, you know, Kavanoi, the next Fred Warner, Takitaki. He fits that same mold of, you know, all-time great BYU linebackers and he fits exactly what NFL teams are looking for for off the ball linebackers and he's versatile enough to play multiple positions but that would be another guy that I would uh, I, I would tell him to strongly consider looking deeply into it and getting all the information don't don't just you know go go up hastily and declare oh I'm out of here you know get the information and if like I said you feel like after receiving that information you can improve on that draft stock get an insurance policy so that if you do have a loss of value, at least you're, you're locked into that. And uh, those would be the two guys right now that I'd say that I, I would strongly suggest. Tyler for surely go, uh, but Peyton, yeah, he needs to look into that. How about BYU's recruiting to get these guys' as preferred walk-ons to eventually be the two we're talking about? We didn't bring up a scholarship guy, which is crazy. Okay, let's not bury the lead here. Last week you were in town. You ran out one of the flags, didn't pull a hammy. That's great. And after you run out, you actually came over and went and hugged Bronco. What was that like? Yeah, man, I just wanted to let him know I loved him, you know, and I know that it's hard. I, it's hard for him to be back to BYU. You know, he, he just, whatever Bronco does, and if you guys know Bronco, he fully gives himself to whatever endeavor it is. It could be football. It could be church. 
it could be his family, friendships, whatever it is. This guy doesn't hold back, and he gives himself to the to the most microcellular level. And so for him to be back, I mean, in reality, I mean, he was facing himself. You know, he he built what the product you're seeing right now is what he helped build, and he's facing that. So you know, I just want to let him know, you know how I felt about him, and I do. I always I always have had a, a special connection to Bronco. He's a kindred spirit, and also I was extremely appreciative of not only his impact on my life, my brother's life, but what he did for you know BYU football, which has always been a big part of my life, and so what it means to represent the university and the church you know, as the most visible form and mechanism of the university. So for him to, to do what he did and for what he means to me, yeah, it's the least I can do is go give the guy a hug and let him know that, you know, I love him and I appreciate him. Brady Papinga with us on BYU Sports Nation, former NFL and BYU linebacker. The emotions were strong last week. The emotions for BYU are understandably going to be strong tomorrow on senior day. What do you remember about your senior day experience and what these guys are going to be feeling tomorrow? It comes fast. You know, that's the thing is because I was one of those guys that dreamt about playing BYU at BYU from when I was, you know, four or five. And my whole life, that's all I obsessed about was playing at BYU to the point where I was getting recruited in big schools would say, hey, are you, would you give us a chance like Nebraska? Would you give us a chance? And I'm like, no, I'm going to BYU. Don't even, don't even recruit. You know, that's where I was at. And so to, to come to that point where it ended, you know, it was a fast ride. And so I think that's what these guys will realize. It comes and it goes fast. Um, the great thing about BYU football, though, you'll always be connected and you'll always be a Cougar. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's just one of those realizations that things come and they go. So you got to really take advantage of it. And I know if you don't, man, it's hard, you know, to, to come to that conclusion. We need more Brady Papinga on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, so let's let's try and make that happen. Well, you might have to have a, you might have to get a mute button. You know, you might have to delay. Me, you know, you, well, I know at Fox Sports they literally told me that. Like Brady, I have told our producer that if you go off on a tangent, we're gonna cut your mic. And I'm like, all right, whatever. That's great. If we, you guys want to, you know, five second delay and do that, you might, yeah, you know, we can do that. We can hey, work it we, out. We appreciate this energy. It's fantastic. It's so great to talk with you, Brady. Uh, we appreciate your insights and your opinions as always. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. Brady Papinga on BYU Sports Nation. He only cursed once. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> well, I love, I love how animated he is. Loaded. No, he, he always brings it. Like, he's a Always opinionated, always very well thought out and interesting. Yeah, and super connected, obviously. So he he does uh, analysis with the NFL with Fox. He also does it in Spanish, which is amazing. What? Yes. That's amazing. That's so cool. That's pretty cool. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. BYU's ranked 15th. Don't know if you heard that, Spence. How many teams ranked ahead of BYU do you expect to lose this week? Ooh, I think three, Jerem. And I'm going to give you the top five games that might have an upset. North Carolina's a favorite at home against number 9 Wake Forest, so there's one. Purdue-Michigan State's interesting because Michigan State's coming up that emotional win. That might be an Purdue upset. Purdue beat Iowa when they were second. Correct. West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Love Oklahoma State, our future Big 12 homies, but that's and at West, West Virginia. Virginia. Auburn, Texas A&M, somebody will lose. Yep. 
12 is 14. And then watch out for Arkansas, Mississippi State. Mm. Okay? There you go. Three three teams, Jerem. Amen. What jumped out to you in last night's BYU basketball exhibition? Richard Harward, the way he came out the floor was very awkward and weird, hoping for the best for him and finding out what that is. The weird start was odd, and Lucas and Barcelo were fantastic. Yep, the it's going to be a movie, like they said. It's going to be a beautiful plot line movie in the backcourt. Uh, as far as Richard goes, that was very unsettling. Like, I... That, that was really weird it to see It wasn't an ankle or anything. It was no. something else. Yeah, some, some chemical thing. Like, he just wasn't right. And so, yeah, we hope that yeah. Richard's okay. What do you make of Caleb Lohner spending time shooting after the game? This is Caleb. This is what Caleb Lohner does. You know, talking to the coaches, this is this is something that happens often after practice and we, after games. We saw it after the blue and white game. He's getting in extra work, man. Yeah, that's, I like it. This is what he does. He's got great touch for a big man. Those shots are going to drop just like they did in the latter part of last season. All right, Jaron, back to football. Why do you think the Idaho State-BYU game is a sellout? I'm a little bit surprised, but I think there's a lot of juice around the program being ranked 15th. I think the show that happened last Saturday night of 66 points is a big one. The final game for Tyler Algier and company. The ticket uh, promotions were really good. And also, it's the final home game in 308 days, by the way. So take advantage. It's beautiful, perfect fall football weather in early November. It's going to be in the 60s with sunshine, 130 kickoff, and yes, the number 15 ranking and watching Tyler Algier play and that exciting offense, uh, given what they did a week ago, is absolutely on tap. Like yep. that, People are excited about this. C. Smith, the former Ute, posted this throwback Thursday tweet. Pitta messed up the Goodfellas picture, no smiling. So it's, yeah, just Justin Tucker, Joe Flacco, and Steve Smith, and then, are serious, and then a smiling... Elder Pitta, what do you make of this? You know what? I, I'm i the guy that smiles in those pictures, too. So I, I actually feel so a kinship to Dennis Pitta. what the group Pitta. is going for there? <laughs> no, I just – Dennis clearly didn't Dennis know. Dennis blew it up. He didn't know. I, I've been in that position before, so I, I can appreciate what happened there. He didn't communicate or listen well. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is our pleasure to welcome in an Olympian, an All-American, and a national champion, both as an athlete and a coach, Ed Eyestone, back on the program. Ed, welcome back. Good to be here, gentlemen. Congratulations on another Ed, championship weekend. It's always fun to be here, particularly after winning a championship, two championships on the men's and women's side. So, which thank is, you. Which is big time. And you guys have massive goals, but it starts with this, right? you gotta got to win the WCC. Well, yeah. I mean, we kind of divide the, the season up into thirds. There's kind of the preseason and regular season and then the championship portion of the season. And this is what we get excited about. And it starts with winning the championship. I think that's the level of expectation that we have. Um, on the men's side, we have uh, two very very good schools, nationally ranked schools that we know we're going to go against in terms of Portland and Gonzaga. And uh, we were able to successfully execute our plan. And that was just to get out and run hard. And uh, so it was it was nice to come up with the championship. So you got paid to coach team by saying run out, get out there yeah, and run hard? Yeah, it's pretty technical. It's really technical. <laughs> hey, get one out there and run hard, of, everyone. One foot in front of the other. <laughs> repeat. 
Um, <clears throat> no, but I have a great group of, of young men that I'm working with. And uh, Connor Mance, obviously a national champion. Yeah. He wants to uh, repeat with that national championship. And then Casey Klinger, who I think sometimes gets overlooked a little bit, but he is the guy, the steady um, guy that, that we can count on as our, as our number two and just uh, ran another superb super race on his part. And I think with that one-two combo, uh, we know we're going to do well at the, the conference level. And now we just need to continue to push that uh, to the national level. Yeah, I knew there was more to the answer. I knew it. Yes. It's not like a NASCAR coach. It's like, just drive fast. We'll change your tires occasionally. Turn left slightly. (laughs) The BYU men just won a seventh consecutive team championship. The women win a fourth straight consecutive championship at the West Coast Conference level. How do those teams adequately celebrate a championship like that? Well, I think we're, we're... trying to put our celebration on hold until the national championships are over. I, and again, that's not putting pressure on our backs that, you know, we have to, in the women's case, repeat with Coach uh, Taylor's doing an excellent job. And I think they're they're a strong team and they're, I, th- I think they're hitting their stride at the right time of the season. And, and on the men's side, uh, we just want to go in and execute, control the controllable, run the best races that we can, and then let the chips fly. And I think if we do that, I think we have a chance to climb onto that podium uh, a top four team and you know anytime you're in the conversation for a top four performance then things fall right and and uh, and you can really execute that day then then you might come a little closer to the top what's the key for the men in the national championships because last year I know uh, you wanted to Fair a little better. Still fared well, but I know you guys have well, that gold yeah, winning. Yeah, last year was tough. We we had some heat issues, and, and one of our runners uh, ended up not finishing, and which cost us a lot of points there towards the end. But, you know, you got to compliment someone who goes out and puts himself in a position to run himself into the ground. Uh, this year, uh, though, I think we just – if we can just get out and do what we need to, uh, which is Connor Mance will not be satisfied with anything less than defending his national title. I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on his back. There's a very, very probably the most talented NCAA's that we've seen for many, many years. Mm. Uh, and because everyone came back with COVID. Yeah, yeah, I think we've got a lot of guys, fifth, six-year guys coming back, and so by the time he takes care of uh, both the, the foreign and domestic talent that he's got to uh, that he's got to face. Um, but if he can just put himself in a good position and uh, you know be in the in the front in in the conversation to repeat, uh, that means he's going to be a low stick. He's going to score just one, two three points, hopefully just one point. And then anytime you know you have a guy up front who has a chance to win, then really you're just scoring four guys. So you just got to get those four guys uh, going as well as they can. And as I mentioned, Casey Klinger, uh, Brandon Garnica, uh, they've been very consistent. They are all-American caliber and certainly top 10 to 15 caliber. Um, And then it's going to come down really to your four or five. And traditionally, the team that's had the lowest scoring fourth man ends up winning the national Ah, championship. So, yeah, and and again, we've uh, we have a couple guys, uh, really good guys in that position. In Aiden Troutner, uh, who was an NXN high school champion in cross country, and um, Lucas Bonds, who's a freshman uh, of the year, baby. freshman of the year, and was a great uh, 1500 meter runner. And, and this season, it's just been a matter of okay, let's stretch it out. Let's turn you from a 1500 meter guy into a 10,000 meter guy. And so that's that's quite the stretch. That's though, a right? big stretch. That's a big stretch. Yeah. And uh, he has taken that challenge on well, and he continues to do that much better each uh, race. Uh, and I think if Aiden and uh, Lucas can put themselves in a position to hopefully qualify 
qualify as All-American being in the top 40, then I think we will be in the conversation for uh, at least a top four uh, performance. And again, I think uh, this year in terms of teams, it's probably the strongest, deepest team field that we've seen on the men's side for a long, long time. I think there are seven teams that are in the conversation uh, to be a, a top four team. Ed Eisenhower with us on BYU Sports Nation. Both teams, the men's and women's, have national titles in the last three years. The women coming off of uh, that last year's success. What are your expectations headed to Tallahassee for Nationals this year, specifically on the women's side? Well, on the women's side, I, and again, would have to have Coach uh, Taylor address that uh, directly because I don't want to speak for her, but I know that she has a very talented complement of uh, young ladies. She has them in great uh, condition. And really, uh, what it comes down to in our sports often is just keeping her athletes healthy. And she's done a very, very good job of that. Whitney Orton um, uh, won the won the conference championship, and she'll certainly be in the conversation uh, to uh, do well at the national uh, meet. Uh, again, Whitney's someone like a Connor Mance, who on the women's side we know can be up there, be a very low stick, and then she's got a lot of help. Uh, Anna Camp, you see here, uh, the two embracing there at the finish line. I think Anna Camp, who is a 1,500-meter national champion. So, again, kind of like a Lucas Bonds, now is having to stretch up to the, – the, the women just go 6,000 meters, so it's not quite the stretch for a 1,500-meter runner, but Anna Camp's very talented. So I, I think between those two, plus the other complement of young uh, athletes that she has, they are in a position – I think we're both in good positions because I don't think we're going to be, after this last weekend, ranked uh, number one in the country. I think Diljit's squad will probably be ranked number two or three. I think our men are going to be probably somewhere in the 5-6 category. Category, okay. And that's kind of a nice position to be Sneaking in, up going on in yeah. to, the, to the national meet. Plus, we are hosting the Mountain Regional competition coming up in uh, two weeks or two weeks from last Friday. So that's probably another thing for the locals. If they want to see uh, national championship caliber uh, teams competing, they really ought to come out uh, on November. Well, I wrote it down here. November 12th uh, there at the East Bay. It's actually called Timpanogos Golf Course now. Yeah. Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll yeah. be good. I just want to thank you for giving us, uh, as BYU fans collectively, less heartburn in the WCC championships than BYU football gave to uh, the fan base on Saturday night. You know, that was a fun game. I, I mean, that harkened back to the 80s when we it was we would score 60 points on a, on a regular basis. So that was kind of fun. In fact, my wife, after we after it was 21 to nothing, there in the, what, first five minutes or whatever, I kind of turned around and said, you know, we I hope Bronco can score here. And she said, no, we cannot let Bronco score because he will come back. And he did come back. So. So it made it for a very entertaining game. So, yeah, it's all good. Congratulations on all your success, Coach. Thank you. Take some karma. Take it to Nationals. Let's go, man. Okay. We'll try to bring it. Thanks, Ed. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It is our pleasure to welcome in BYU men's basketball assistant coach Cody Feger with us yeah. once again in the studio, Bizzle, as we prepare for an exhibition showdown now, with Colorado Christian tonight. Let's talk about this first. Your dad was in studio and in the building last week, got a tour. It was great to have him here. He watches the show. In uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, him and my mom watch That's amazing. all your guys' show anytime you're talking about. He's basketball. our one rating point <laughs> in, in all of Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. They absolutely yeah. love you that's, guys. That's very so. nice. Just wanted to self-aggrandize, I guess, for a moment. But, <laughs> no, it was great to have him because, listen, 
the Cougar fans are all over the country connecting, even in Wisconsin, which yeah. is super cool. Yeah. I mean, every time they're like, did you see Jerem and Spencer talk about this? I'm like, I got a job to do. No, I, I was working. Exactly what they got going on. I was working. I can't I, watch the show every I, day. I don't want to hear what they have to say. We have a team to coach. Listen, your they parents don't. will tell you if we say anything of prominence. Exactly. Well, which you this, probably don't hear much that, from them. That happens in the Satake household as well. Kalani said, "Hey, I was told you said this on the show. What happened with Bo- you know, Boise State? Our blowout. We blew them out. So it's not a classic game or whatever." And I was like, "You won by too much. I'm sorry." It's not an you know, all-time game. It somehow gets back to the, uh, the head, guys. Cody Fieger is with us on BYU Sports Nation exhibition game tonight. What's the number one goal of an exhibition contest when you know you've got a game that really counts in the standings less than a week away? Um, the number one goal for our guys is going to be protecting the ball offensively, right, and sharing the ball offensively. Those are the two main things. And then defensively is rebound and be there on the catch because this team is all about shooting threes. They're going to shoot a ton of threes tonight, so we've got to make sure they're uh, we're there on the catch and make them do something different. How do you quantify taking care of the ball and distributing the ball? Is it um, great turnovers, or is there a different metric you look No, at? no, turnovers, turnovers for that. And then sharing the ball, uh, we talk about assist opportunities. Okay. So this so, isn't assists because sometimes there's a missed shot. Correct. So you're tracking that? That number, like, oh, this would have been an assist had the shot gone in. Exactly, and we know, like, some of our, our, our you know, Tijon, Alex, if those guys are at, like, 13, we know we really shared the what ball. What does 13 mean? Assist so opportunities? 13, 13 assist total. Oppor- yep, 13 Each for the game. combined? Uh, no, com- uh, total. Total, yeah. combined, okay. So make sure, make sure we're sharing the ball. Gotcha. And what's the turnover number that you're trying to stay at or under? Um, I mean, this team's not a huge pressure team, so 8 oh. to 10. Okay, so it varies depending on the opponent. Yeah, yeah, very varies depending on the opponent. Gotcha. And, and uh, it'll be fun. You know, Alex hasn't played uh, in front of people. You know, he wasn't at the blue-white game. He's there, but didn't play, so excited to get him out there tonight. Yeah, yeah. so he's playing. Yep. Okay, that's some news. That's great. <laughs> that was our next question. Is, <laughs> is Alex Barcella going to play? How much? Is he now, okay? Now, tell us about kind of as much as you want. Like, he said he took a fall. Uh, is he okay? Because being held out of the blue-white, it's like, whoa, 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 Alex Barcelo, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he landed awkwardly on his back and just kind of had a little whiplash, and he's fine. He's, he's good to go. Like, he could have played that night, but just want to be, you know, a little precaution and make sure he's 100% good to go. And it was probably okay that he didn't in terms of, like, we know what you can do. This isn't a situation where we need you. Yeah, it was great to see you know everybody playing together, Tijon yeah. and Hunter getting tons of minutes, and it was it, it went exactly how we wanted it to go. The Foose show, yeah, That's, he was, was he was Foosini was amazing, especially that first half. It was crazy, man. <laughs> is it safe to say that Alex Barcelo is going to be a starter, Cody? Oh <laughs> yes, <my gosh. laughs> yes, we can chalk that one up. We've asked a lot of fun questions on the show. That's one of the best. How, how is that process of determining starters and rotation? Because sometimes we act like, hey, what is it? Do you know it now? It takes like games, weeks, sometimes months, right, to figure that out? Yeah. We, Last year it took like half the season to get Loner and Gideon George into the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the same way this year. We've got a great roster. We've got a ton of talent on this team and just got to see how it meshes best together. So it's, it's going to take a little while to figure out exactly what we want to do. Is that fun? Is that stressful? How would you describe that process? Because you're dealing with people's livelihoods of – I want to play. I'm here to play. I'm not here to sit on the bench. And sometimes freshmen get anxious, transfer get anxious. 
Oh, it's it's really hard, right? I mean, it's something that we, as a staff, we think about every day because we want to have the best locker room in America. So it's something that we talk about and we, we talk about with our players. We're completely open with, with, with what is going on. Um, and we try to communicate, you know, what our plans are, and we want to make sure everyone's on the same page. With that openness, how much is that uh, the staff going to a player versus the player coming to you saying, hey, well, I have a question or a sorry. It's both. Yeah, it goes both ways. You know, we're, we're, we just try to be as open as possible, and, you know, those, those guys know to come in our offices all day, every day, and we had a great relationship that wise. So well, we sure talked everything. about the potential frustration these guys will feel because they are competitors, and we discussed that with Mark Pope on Media Day, among others. Why do you feel like this team has the mental makeup to be able to handle a shifting rotation and some of the frustration that undoubtedly will come? Yeah, um, I mean, we're going to go through it this year, right? It's, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But our, our leaders, you know, Coach Pope is so unselfish. Our, our leaders are unselfish. Alex Barcelo, Tijon, like our leaders are that way. So that's, that's the way this team needs to be put together. Which of the freshmen is best positioned to make an impact early in the season, you think? Uh, I mean, I think we saw it in the blue-white scrimmage. I mean, Foose has a chance to play play good good amount of minutes right away, you know, with what he's been doing and how hard he's been working. But we can go down the line. Like, Atiki, you know, he's – you guys saw some of the things he can do. Trey Stewart, I mean, we got a lot of guys that are in there battling as freshmen right now. And um, it, it's been fun to watch. How many guys do you plan on playing tonight? Whew. It just depends on how the game goes, you know. Um, hopefully everyone gets a chance to play um, and play together. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing, right? Are they playing together? Is the dynamic and the nerves that come with playing in front of fans different? Have, have you Are you worried about that? Because it is going to be different. They've played a year with really without fans in large part. How do you think they're going to handle that? Oh, they'll handle it great. We've actually had so many different people coming into our practices and then playing in that blue-white scrimmage the was huge. You guys have been around, haven't you? We, we need more time. We want to be in there. Right. We like you guys. Okay. <laughs> we, want, we want you guys around more. Um, but, uh, yeah, the blue-white scrimmage, it was, it was huge, yeah. right? The lights were on, and the guys were still sharing the ball like crazy. Now it got a little sticky in the second half, and that's something that we talked about and we showed them, and that's just something that, that we're going to keep on improving all year long. It, it, the clock wasn't sticky, though. We started a running clock. <laughs> the second half was like, let's we, – we got stuff to go that, to. Let's go. That first half was really long. It seemed like it was, yeah, it was forever. Long. It was just a lot of dunks from Foos. It was in threes. It was crazy. Yeah. Okay, so the season's next Tuesday. Obviously, you, you can't change a ton of things between now and then, but what do you love about the team right now that you're like, okay, Tuesday, this will be on display? Um, Tuesday, I feel like we're really going to share the ball. I feel like we're doing that at a really high level, and um, they, they really love each other right now. Like I, I think that's huge, and, and I'm really excited about that. Um, and they're ready to go compete. They're ready to go play against somebody else. Like They're going to play really stinking hard, so we're really excited about that. Okay, so a known there. What's the biggest question mark you have about this team going into the games? Um, whew. Defensively. Defensively, are we going to be on it, right? Are we going to um, know our assignments exactly right? And because we've got a lot of really good pieces, so you know, with it, with us changing different defensive coverages, can can we be on it communication-wise? Cleveland State, San Diego State, it's like right out of the gate you're playing Oregon, some teams that are Oregon. Bring, and then Oregon, it's like oh my gosh, um, with this schedule. So how, how's the team kind of mentally? Obviously, there's some young pieces, but there's some real vets on the team that have been around that are kind of ready for that challenge. And in hoops, and as we've seen in football with BYU this week, 
Playing a challenging schedule is something you have to do and you guys choose to do. Yeah, you have to do, and that's what Coach Pope does. Like, he wants the best at all times. And, like, these are, like you said, these are three really good teams coming up. And we've been preparing, you know, we've watched so much film on Cleveland State you know, San Diego State and Oregon already, that we've already sprinkled in what they do offensively and defensively the last three weeks. Cody Feger is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I can't believe we've waited this long to ask you about it, but are you worried about your Green Bay Packers and the quarterback <laughs> situation that's going on up there? Yeah, I'm, I'm really worried about it. Because of the Utah State guy? No. Jordan Love. <laughs> no, it's just we're missing the guy, right? Yeah. We're missing the guy. I mean, yeah. last week we were missing a couple – receivers and our D coordinator, but we're missing the guy right now. So, Are you okay with this old school chin strap? Like, would you wear that one? or I would not. I would not. When I was in high school, I wore a better one, right? Yeah. It's like (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. It's the old one still. I mean, Brett Favre wearing the same chin strap, you know? Right. And probably Bart Starr, too. (laughs) (laughs) Same chin strap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, If you didn't know, Cody is very, very devout. Green Bay Packers. Well, you and Tijon Lucas have this little, you know, click on the team of like Milwaukee sports, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot. You of guys fun. versus the world. Yeah, and you know, Trevin, Trevin tries to jump in there a little bit. You know, he's got some family that are Packers fans. Oh, so, so he's a like bit. a closet Packers fan, or? Well, he he talks about him. I oh. know his family. He's is. like the third wheel in that conversation. We bring him in sometimes <laughs> when things are going well. Yeah. Does he say we? We're talking about the Packers? Oh, yeah. He's like, what oh, okay. happened to us? You know, yeah, last okay, week, okay. You know? Interesting. Yeah. So he's, he's fun Don't about Don't use too. that pronoun in vain. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh. Cody, yeah. let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to distribute evenly among your coaching staff and your team tonight for the game against Colorado Christian. We appreciate the insight into what's going on. We'll be looking for the uh, sharing of the ball and then how the team comes out defensively. Yeah. And the, and the moment we get you access to the building and we get access with the thumbprint is the moment we're definitely... Well, let's get that done Because we need to give you access. If you're, yeah, I get it. I get let's it. get it done. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Thanks, Cody. The powers that be, let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now live from Portland is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, who hosted that Kalani Satake show last night. And certainly the number 15 college football playoff ranking discussion came up. Kalani downplayed it, Greg, but we're not here to downplay on BYU Sports Nation. Let's, let's enjoy this. What would you think about the number 15 spot for BYU? Yeah, let's let's blue goggle this. Uh, it's 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 awesome to be part of of the national conversation, right? For consecutive years, and uh, last year BYU was in every CFP ranking in in the COVID season. There were only five releases last year, but they were in all five. They were in the teens every week, even after the loss to Coastal, they hung around, right? So they were they were part of the mix, and and then it comes out this year, and you're and you're fifteenth. And I'm sure a lot of people thought, wow, that's that, that's a lot of respect uh, from the committee for BYU. And it's clearly, you know, entirely schedule related. Right. We, we saw last year an undefeated BYU team was just one spot higher at 14 when they debuted. This year, you can be a two loss BYU team and you're almost in exactly the same spot. And as some national people have noted today, there, there's a clear message the committee continues to send. You've got to play a lot of P5 teams and you got to beat a lot of P5 teams if you want to get respect from the committee. So 
Cincinnati, by virtue of not being in a P5 conference, is capped in its ability to impress the committee. The only teams that can really do what the committee wants them to do are teams in P5 leagues, Notre Dame, and BYU. That's it. And last year, BYU really wasn't one of those teams because they couldn't schedule any P5s. All of them dropped off the schedule due to COVID. This year, with all those P5s on the slate and winning you know, all but one of those games so far, committee says that's what we want to see, and BYU fits the bill. So that's where BYU is, and that's why going to the Big 12 is going to be so great, and that's why next year's schedule is so great, and that's why you're 15 this year, which is great. You're doing what the committee wants you to do. And, and, you know, there aren't too many teams, guys. Think about this for a second. There aren't too many teams that can guarantee, essentially guarantee they're going to go a six-week span without losing a game. Okay, but that's basically BYU's situation, right? After losing to Baylor, they beat Washington State. They beat Virginia. They'll beat Idaho State. They'll take a bye, which is another week. You're not taking a loss there. You'll go on the road to Georgia Southern. Clearly, we're presuming you have to win out, right? But you win that game sure. as well, which you have to do. And, and that gives you, and that takes you to the Coliseum. Well, that, that, that's a six-week span of time from losing to Baylor to playing in Los Angeles where you did not lose a game. And while you're in that situation, a lot of other teams are losing games, one and maybe two or more games. So the Cougars are in as good a spot as they could possibly hope to be <laughs> with two losses. Yes, you're ticketed for Shreveport, but, and it's a big but, but so far, the Cougs have done their part, right? They've won their last two P5 games. They'll probably win their next two games, and it'll all set up to Los Angeles on that Thanksgiving weekend to see where the college football landscape lies at that point. But that's all you could hope for. If you've lost two games and, and you're not playing in a P5 league, to be in the spot BYU's in, it's like a best-case scenario with Amen. two losses. Yeah, definitely, definitely is a is a blessing. And and when I saw the rankings come out, I kind of jumped a little bit. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think we may have a chance at New Year's Six. So, do you see an opportunity for BYU to uh, you know get an at at large bid? You, you know, it, it's been discussed. It'll be discussed. It'll be parsed ad nauseum over the weeks to come. You know, there there are limitations to where BYU can go. Uh, the way the CFP is set up and the bowl system is set up. There are so few at-large uh, opportunities available, and a lot of it depends on, on, on which contracted conferences stick teams in the CFP, um, you know, which, which leagues are getting a second team in because of the runner-up or the fallback status. So a lot of that's to be determined. So you're probably looking with probably as, two, as few as two or three true at-large spots available, but all you can do is keep yourself with the two in the L column and hope it stacks up favorably to other two loss teams in, in late November. Again, everything right now, the objective beyond Idaho State and beyond Georgia Southern is to be 10 and two here at the end of November. That's all you can do. Anything other than that, you're not going to have any kind of a shot. That's a clear thing. Even at two losses, it's an outside shot. But when you're 15 in the first ranking and you know you're probably not going to lose another game for a month, yeah. if that, you may not. You know, that's that's again it's the best you can hope for, and that's and that's I, I think as important as anything is you're you're part of the conversation again. You're in the mix. You're in the discussion. You're in the teens. Uh, you're being talked about. Uh, in fact, a lot of people are saying, "Wow!" This morning, if you read some national press this morning, so whoa, 15 for BYU. Kind of didn't see that coming, but then you break it down and you realize, well, why they are where they are. Um, they have you know as many 
good wins as many other of the best teams in the country right now. Greg, you and I have been, and many other BYU fans, basically every other BYU fan is now looking at that Boise State loss and thinking, oh man, is that going to be the one that really bites BYU? But then I look at where the committee placed Baylor, number 12, and I thought, okay, so if BYU had beaten Boise State but lost to Baylor, would the committee have gone head-to-head and put BYU at number 13, thus making that loss really only worth two spots, which is surprising. A couple spots. Yes. Is that how you're seeing that? It's pretty logical, right, to think about. I think if you were looking at at, at BYU and Baylor and, and the committee had to head to head them and say, well, you know, Baylor won by a couple scores, we'll, we'll keep them ahead of BYU. Um, you could see that. So you could argue that BYU's cap or its ceiling is 13 right now. Um, but, you know, it, by the same token, um, you know, maybe a, a, a one-loss BYU team um, is even give or, given greater consideration than we think. But I think it's a logical presumption that, yeah, if BYU and Baylor were are on the same spot, they'd give the nod to Baylor. Both were one-loss teams and both would be one-loss teams if you're taking that Boise game out of the mix. The, the frustrating thing about the Boise game is how much of an outlier it was, right? Uh, BYU is one of the best ball security teams in all of college football. They don't turn the ball over, right? In their last 19 games, they're giveaway free in 11 of them. I mean, very few teams can take that long of a stretch and say you're, you're, you're not turning it over in more than half of your games. Turnovers are a common thing in football. And, and to be turnover or giveaway free in 11 of 19 games is a remarkable stretch. Six of nine games this year, giveaway free. So you have a team that almost never gives it up, and you have four turnovers in that one game. That one game, Bonkers. such an extreme outlier for BYU and it burned BYU. It was the only reason BYU lost that game. Let's recall, they were they were more than two yards per play better than Boise State that day. Mm. If they just don't give them a couple of short fields, BYU wins that game. That's that that that's the tough thing about it, is that's not who BYU has been in any other game, essentially. Greg, so, so we talk about BYU doing what they can do and, and control what they can control. So I, I kind of want to talk about style points because we're all assuming that BYU, you know, will, will take care of, you know, the, the next couple of wins. I personally think that BYU, to have a chance um, and to get in that conversation, needs to score a million points. Um, <laughs> do you think style points and scoring up um, or, or putting points on the scoreboard uh, will help BYU make its case? Well, style points absolutely matter. Just look at Cincinnati. Um, the committee brought up the fact that, yeah, since he's winning, but they played a couple teams we don't really like a lot, and they didn't really beat them you know, well enough. Uh, they struggled against a freshman quarterback. You know, they're, they're using all these reasons to show that, yeah, we want to see you be great if you think you're a great team. And, and so there are a couple of factors in play, especially as it relates to the FCS game to start off with. Right? Everyone expects BYU to win and win big. But Kalani Sitake is not out to embarrass anybody at any time. All right. So I think there's probably going to be a cap on where things go, but football is football. And if you even, you know, ramp it down once you've got a comfortable lead and all you do is run the ball, but you run it well enough with your guys to keep progressing forward, that's life. That's football. And and all you can expect BYU to do is be efficient with its possessions. You know, if you're getting, you know, 10 to 13 possessions in a game, you'd better score on nine or 10 of them. Right. And keep the turnover number down. And even if it means, okay, we're going to run the ball a lot, you should be good enough to run the ball well enough to keep gaining yards and keep getting points. Now, I don't see BYU putting on, you know, garbage time touchdowns in the fourth quarter under five minutes to go. But before that point, BYU's got to be an efficient, very efficient team. 
And, you know, I, I think a shutout is, is, is a reasonable goal for BYU to have defensively. This is an FCS team averaging about 13 points a game. All right, you're one of the better FBS teams in the country. You know, I, I think a score should be the, the, the cap of the expectation. Generally speaking, over BYU's FCS history, their opponents get about one score a game. They're averaging about eight points a game against BYU all time. So you want to keep that number down, be really efficient with your possessions, and put up a number that looks like, yeah, that's a top 15 team beating an FCS team they're supposed to beat. Then you take a week off, you rest up, you get well, you go to Georgia Southern, the whole Clay Helton thing is an interesting part of the scenario there, but it's a very lowly ranked and low, lowly rated Georgia Southern team. Uh, you've got to not just win. You've got to look good doing it. And then you just kind of throw it to the Coliseum and see where it goes. And again, everything's contingent on winning out. And yeah, I mean, even, even at the last week of the season, guys, I think style points will come into play. Mm. BYU's got to be great, great over the next month of football. Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, is with us live from Portland. And before we ask you some soccer questions, Greg, I do want to get your beat on what this senior day for BYU football will feel like because there are very few seniors. The COVID scenario has allowed the door to stay open for so many guys to come back again and have extra years. So what do you anticipate this senior day will be like for BYU football? Well, it, it's it's a little strange, Spence, in that we really don't know the list yet. Yeah, I think we'll have one by by Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. <laughs> but you're going to see some guys probably who you know we consider sophomores, COVID sophomores with red shirts in their past who are considering themselves to be maybe taking one last ride. So you know th- there could be some prizes, some surprises, some whoa! I didn't know he was ready to go, or I didn't know he'd have that many years. But when you think about it, there are a lot of guys out there, or a few guys out there who could have had a redshirt year, a freshman year, a COVID year, and are now playing their essentially fourth year. And so in their minds, that's their career. That's their four years. And so you could see some of those types. Um, You could see some guys in the future being honored a second or maybe a third time on this day. It's a very strange senior day in that way. We only know of two or three guys who are truly going to be exhausting all their eligibility at the end of this season, a lot of other guys are looking at their future and saying, you know, might this be it for me? If so, I don't want to miss this day. And so we could see a few of those guys that don't want to miss the day that could be back for more days like this in the future. I heard that uh, everybody was getting uh, a COVID year, so I get my eligibility back as well. So I'm going to apply for that (laughs) soon. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. A college football playoff pleasant surprise, Brian. BYU number 17 in the AP poll going into last night's announcement. They are awarded after five Power 5 wins with the number 15 spot in the poll that matters most. Brian, what was your initial reaction to finding out that BYU came in at number 15 in the initial CFP poll release? Um, I, you know, I felt that it was the, it was accurate. Um, I, I think I'm the minority on this. When I think a lot of people expected BYU to come in ranked, you know, um, closer to 25. You know, um, I, I would say I think that the expectation is that at least that I've been hearing from the community and fans um, was – maybe, you know, 16 to 20, uh, maybe 16 to 22, something along those lines, right? And with me, um, you know, you look at the body of work and, and what is the, the college 
um, uh, football playoff committee, what do they what do they talk about? Strength of schedule, right? And and BYU had that. Um, even though some of those those ranked teams aren't ranked right now, um, you, you saw the effort and and you saw uh, you know how tough the schedule was in the beginning of the season, right? A lot of the analysts were like, "Oh man, this is crazy." And and analysts were saying, national analysts were saying, you know, if they were to run the table for whatever reason. They could potentially be, you know, where Cincinnati is right now. Sure. Um, and so, to me, it, it, it's not it's not really surprising. Um, I, th- I think it's accurate. So for me, and I mentioned this on the show yesterday, I was very interested to see what the committee would do with BYU based on what the Cougars were doing at this time last year, which was playing any team they could get on the schedule. No Power Fives were willing to play BYU. I know, Washington fans, you say that BYU ducked a game, which they did not. But no Power Five conferences in large part were willing to schedule BYU last year because of largely matters that were out of their control. Those decisions were made by the higher-ups. So BYU did the best they could, and they were not rewarded. They were number eight in the AP poll going into the first college football playoff rankings last year and found themselves at number 14 as an undefeated team, and everybody was really upset, up in arms. BYU's dominating teams. There's no respect. So I look at this year, and I'm like, okay, well, BYU has five power five wins, but they have two losses, including a very head-scratching loss to Boise State. Mm -hmm. So are they going to be punished in a big way for having that loss to Boise State? And the answer came back clear, Brian, no. They awarded the Power 5 wins, five of them, the most ever in a season for BYU, way more than BYU was punished for that home loss to Boise State. You know, if you look across the board, there's some, there's a couple other teams that are ranked that have some head-scratching losses as well. So, so I think when, when you look at the entire rankings and some of those losses, we can assume that the committee is – you know, putting a lot more weight towards the wins versus losses, which is which is interesting. I mean, I don't know if that's the case or if it just, you know, randomly played out that way. I don't believe in coincidences, so I'm assuming it's not. And and to me, I, I think um, I I kind of like this, right? Because what you're what you're saying is, look, for the committee, right? And and having that human element, you're saying, look, we not everybody can be perfect. We're not all perfect. Um, and we're going to have our off days, but do your best days outweigh your off days, right? And I think clearly BYU's schedule and some of the other teams, you know, kind of show that and prove that. So I, I like that they are saying, well, we'll give you a little asterisk by, you know, Boise State, but yet, you know, you still lost to Baylor, which is ranked ahead of you. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of where we're judging uh, that placement. We always talk about the body of work, BYU's body of work is right there in one capacity with one other team in college football, Georgia, who is number one. And that is they have five wins against teams that currently have winning records. Oh, man. Not bad. I know BYU currently features no wins over ranked teams right now, but that could change. And they have two wins against teams that were ranked at the time against Utah and Arizona State. Utah is playing much better football. They are projected now to win the Pac-12 South. Arizona State is doing what they do. Wait, we are. I thought we already won that. Uber talent. That's a good point, Brian. That's a good point. In fact, uh, let's examine that a little bit with the social media feed <laughs> that we saw on the Twitter machine from at ESPN Bill C. He said, look, this kind of hit me yesterday evening, too. I assumed uh, Ole Miss 
would be ahead of BYU at the very least. The only explanation I can think of is that they respect the Pac-12 enough to rank Oregon fourth. A team, BYU, that's 4-0 and versus the Pac-12 <laughs> should get a boost. Andy Staples responded, Brian, are you guys referring to Pac-12 South, champ, <laughs> BYU? Yes, sir. Connolly then said, I do appreciate that BYU is unbeaten against the Pac-12, while likely Pac-12 South champ Utah is 0-2 against the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> Yikes. The sting is real. <laughs> so it started out with a little bit more of a serious tone and then very quickly became fun. But again, just to point out, national riders are driving the rhetoric just as much as BYU fans about the Cougars being a de facto Pac-12 South champion. Okay, now let's go back to BYU and quantifying how much or how little they were penalized for that Boise State loss. Look where, Boy- where Baylor is in yep. this college football playoff poll. Number 12. Yep. Okay? So let's say BYU beats Boise State. They are 8-1, and one, and they have the one loss, of course, in Waco at Baylor. Yep. Brian, that tells me that BYU would only be up two spots, yeah. number 13, if indeed they were 8-1 and one and had beaten Boise State. So it's two spots worth of a penalty yeah. based on where Baylor ends up in that poll, which is not a ton in my opinion. I thought BYU would end up somewhere around 17 or – I was hopeful for 17 or 18. I thought, oh, maybe they could come in at 19 or 20, not great. Number 15. I, you know what? So, look, so I get what you're saying. But I think at this point right now where, where the goal is potentially a New Year's Six, right? Like, I think this gives us life. Like, oh, I, for sure. I the saw that. Heart, I was like, wait a minute. The is alive. Hold on. Wait a minute. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back on board. Sorry, Bronco, Virginia. I'm back. I'm back with my guys because we're going to a New Year's Six game. And I, I, with, with that being said, and, and, and your point to, you know, only a couple spots, I think every spot literally matters, man. I think every single spot matters. And, no and, argument there. And 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 the reason why specifically is when you look at BYU's um, remaining schedule, right? There, there's there's really not an opportunity that that BYU has control over um, to you know put themselves in a situation where they can gain some spots. They're going to need some help, right? Sure. And, Even beating USC, who is understandably down and. It's a hot mess nobody in Southern California right now. Nobody respects them They right fired now. their head coach, yeah, no. who is now the head coach apparently at Georgia Southern, so it turns out BYU is going to face a Clay Helton team this season after all because they <laughs> play that team the week before they go to Southern California, which is super weird. That's what we call destiny. Right? He's meant to be. He's <laughs> <laughs> meant to be. Okay. So you're right. BYU can't do a ton. Style points, how much do they matter? They'll take care of business against Idaho State. Look, stop, look. I hope BYU goes 60-plus again, and I hope they go 50-plus against Georgia Southern. What can you do against USC to help your resume? Can BYU, you do anything? BYU, st- style points are huge. BYU needs to score a million points a game. <laughs> for, like, really. And they need, to, they, they need to give up negative a million points. Hey. Like, st- style points really, really do matter when you don't have – a respectable, you know, opponent coming up. Beat USC, go 5-0 and against the Pac-12. They are still respected a little bit just because of the name, the brand, and the colors. A little know. bit. I don't know. I don't. There's a lot on the line. Undefeated I, against the Pac-12 in that game. Usually okay? when I think USC, I think Reggie Bush. And now when I think USC, I go... <laughs> Pray for those guys. Man, there's so much more to this conversation, including the teams ahead of BYU, which we don't have time for now. 
and their remaining schedules. You said BYU needs some help. There will just be some attrition from games that have to be played between teams that are ranked in the top 14 above BYU. Some yeah, of those teams have to lose. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's going to lose. Guaranteed. Can BYU benefit from that, or will the committee say, eh, no, we're not going to drop that team enough? We'll see. We'll see. Those crazy Cavaliers and Cougars on Saturday night, 66-49. to 49. We asked last week, if BYU gets into a shootout, is that a good thing? Well, it turns out it was 17-plus, Jerem. 17-49. Maybe that's the craziest thing wow. that resulted from Saturday night or not. What was the craziest thing you witnessed on Saturday night against Virginia? There were a million things, but uh, the thing that sticks out is 66 points? What? Um, the second is 35 points allowed in a quarter. <laughs> Was Ty ever out there? No, it was Brandon Armstrong. Bummer that he got hurt, by the way. Um, yeah. Hoping he he set the Virginia you know season record there. Crazy. He's, he might be going for the ACC record, but hurt his ribs. Listen, but BYU is playing with the injured rib quarterback too. But it, that's tough. That's tough. Tyler Algier, man. Holy shnikes. Jaron Hall was great. The Nakua's had the exact number of yards. How by the way. how weird is that? That's weird. Someone tweeted a meme of the uh, the twins from Breaking Bad. Uh, with BYU stuff on, and then circled 107 and 110. Yes, they had the same stat line yeah. other than the catch number. Yes. Um, BYU Barstool tweeted, petition to rename UVA's team to Virginia Cav Algiers. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it was crazy, man. David Nixon, 66 points. We're going to fit right in with the Big 12. I mean, that that was the game I thought might happen against Baylor, but Baylor was was better. But what way to, way to show up. And then... Oh, I may have buried the lead, and I don't want to take every crazy angle here, but um, or maybe I do. I just did. Ver- Sorry to interrupt. Okay, then don't interrupt. That's what it's okay. Are. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, seven points allowed from BYU's defense in the second half after giving up 42 in the first half is just unbelievable. I talked to someone who was in the same uh, – so the media share the same bathroom as, like, the coaches at halftime um, if they're not down in the locker room. Lysa Tuiaki was sweating. Like, literally. Understandably. Um, because that was a very difficult first half. Homie was dry as a whistle, probably, in the second half, because BYU only gave up seven. I mean, the, the defense's ability to turn on a dime like that was incredible. And then we talked about turnover margin, plus three. Plus three is the difference in the game. It, it really is. It's pretty even, except for those drives. BYU, BYU turns it into all... 21 points. Yes! Yes! If there are zero turnovers in this game, BYU might lose the game. BYU needed those three, which is which is pretty crazy. So Kalani Sitake uh, says, put some respect on uh, Elias Tuiaki's name here. Drop eight won the game for us. And that was Elias Tuiaki's idea. Uh, that wasn't really the game plan, but we were going to mix in some man drop eights. He did that in the second half and held him seven points, a really, really explosive offense of seven points. I think people need to respect him a little bit more now. Seven br- points in the second Brought to you half. by Dasani on the, on the table. There, there you go. <laughs> the juxtaposition of what happened from one half to the next Crazy. with the BYU defense and the Virginia offense is probably the craziest thing that I've seen. 35 points in the second quarter. Unstoppable. All five of those drives were under a minute 47. They were just chunks. That, that yeah. is ridiculous. Five touchdown drives all under two minutes? And look at the yards per play difference, 12 to 5 in the second half. I mean, insane.
but credit BYU and their defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, for coming up with the necessary adjustments. And yes, as you pointed out, three to nothing in the turnover margin, and you turn that into 21 points. Different 17 in the game. plus is that's the reason 17 plus happens. Wow. Uh, and how big was the second turnover that Uriah Leatawa forces mm-hmm. when it felt back and forth, back and forth? Whoever's going to end with the ball is going to win the game until BYU created that turnover. I thought that that was how it was going to play out. Whoever has the ball, that's going to win. Toledo 2016, 55-53. If, both, if Virginia would have scored one more time, it would have been just the fifth game in BYU history where both teams scored 50. I mean, it was almost there. So cra- crazy. Oh, you remember the 21 nothing thing I brought up last week? It happened again. Yep. But this time BYU was up. So BYU was down 21 nothing in 99 and 2000 against Virginia. And then BYU was up 21 nothing. But then later trailed multiple times. BYU's ability to answer in the shootout, it's not a shootout if both teams don't answer. So BYU's ability to do what it didn't do at Baylor was great. And Virginia obviously is not Baylor. And Virginia's defense is terrible, which is shocking, by the way. That I, I, We all respect Bronco Mendenhall and that, and that staff of guys and what they can do. That offense is as, as good as the defense is bad, which is weird. To see a Bronco Mendenhall defense give up that many points. They played two ranked teams now, and they gave up 59 and 66 in those games. Wow. Well, and this is a defense in Virginia that I'm looking at a few weeks ago, and I'm like, maybe they aren't that bad. They, they shut out Duke. And I know Duke's bad. Duke's the worst. Duke's bad. Yeah. But zero points. I'm like, okay, they're, they're capable. He only puts up 66. 66. <laughs> 66 what? points. A Route 66, which is a record for BYU against a Power 5 opponent. Yeah. The previous high was 59 against UCLA in mm-hmm. 2008. Well, I remember that one. 66 Kay. points. Tyler Algier Let's talk about the it. charge. Unbelievable. Let's talk about it. So Cam Miller, homie. Tyler Algier over his last two games. 61 carries because he had 29 in this mm-hmm. one. 457 yards, 7.5 yards carry, 7 touchdowns. Um, on College Football Final on ESPN, which I love watching just to recap all the highlights, Saturday nights, Sunday mornings is they said if Tyler Algier played in the afternoons, we would be talking about him like we're talking about you know, the other running backs. B. John Robinson and Kenneth Walker III from yes. Michigan State. Yes, Kenneth Walker III had a tremendous game against Michigan, right? Tyler, this is one of those things where BYU is a great late-night game for ESPN ESPN2, and the cost of business is that people don't know how good Tyler Algier is. Ty, you know who will, though? NFL teams. Because Tyler Algier is climbing – before the season, is he an NFL draft pick? Question mark. He's like third or fourth round guy probably now. Like, How good is his footwork and his burst in the second level? He's so good. He's so he's like his deep blue outlined it right. Like what he's gone through personally, amazing. He's having such a good year. MVP by far of this team. Crazy man. And uh, Bio is crushing it, dude. Bio seven and two. Like how awesome is this? Bio is going to be nine and two going into SC. And Drake London's out, so that game feels more winnable. Let's go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation the head coach of 12th-ranked BYU women's soccer, Jen Rockwood. Fresh off a 3-0 win at Portland, 
Coach, congratulations Ooh. on the most recent win. The and camo. the swag is looking on point. Nice. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Big uh, weekend for us. Uh, you know, everybody's going right now, but uh, we're playing for WCC championship. So um, super excited to senior night, celebrate our seniors. Um, got some alumni coming, so it's going to be a great weekend. Well, Colonel Rockwood, I wanted to talk to you about the stakes here uh, of this game. So obviously it's coming down to the wire. You're tied with Santa Clara, 21 points apiece. If you win, you get at least a share of the conference championship. Obviously disappointing to lose to Santa Clara, but a lot on the line, an opportunity to improve your seating and win a, a championship, which I know is a huge goal of the program, and then hopefully a host at least the first round, which feels like it's going to happen, go from there. So the stakes couldn't really be higher right now, right? That's right. I mean, when you start the season, all you really want is to to play for an opportunity to win the conference championship and get yourself in the NCAA tournament. And this team has really challenged itself year in and uh, game in, game out, traveled a lot, played some tough opponents. And we're right where we want to be. We have the opportunity to to win the WCC you know, on Southfield, on senior night, everything's in our control. And so, uh, yeah, you know, that's what we play for. And we're really excited. Pepperdine's a great team. They've had their best season in a really long time. I think their RPI is around 12 or 13. So it'd be a huge win for us. I think it's, if we come out and play our style, we can get the job done. No question. Jennifer Rockwood, the head coach, BYU Women's Soccer on BYU Sports Nation. Let's dive into what this win would mean for your NCAA tournament status a little bit more. Let's say BYU wins this. You clinch at least a share of the conference championship. You already mentioned the RPI at Pepperdine. What type of RPI boost would this give to you? And would you feel confident in earning a seed if you win this game? You know, you never know what the NCAA is going to do come uh come you know selection time we've uh, always typically got some tough draws but i believe that if we can beat pepperdine obviously a very high rpi win for us i don't know that it would uh, punch us up into the seeding um you know we didn't get results uh, the santa clara and, and obviously utah state a while ago will will drag our rpi down a little bit but you know i think we would have an opportunity to at least host a first round game uh and then we see where it goes from there we've We've played really well recently on the road. Um, we're scoring lots of goals. Um, got a really great group, uh, a great starting lineup, um, great supporting cast coming off the bench. I mean, three of our goals against Portland uh, were off the bench um, uh, the other day. And, yeah, we just are really looking forward to it. We don't know what the NCAA will do. We just want to get there and play whoever they match us up with. When are we going to get a metric that's better than RPI? Because RPI sucks. Um, <laughs> BYU's 30th. But you're not the 30th best team in the country. Um, obviously, the polls are different. That's opinion. RPI is an antiquated metric. We need to get something else because then you would be properly rewarded instead of the committee looking at this metric, 30, and it's like, no, look at who BYU's played. Look at the efficiency of the offense, and BYU should be a, should be a seed in my completely biased opinion. Yeah, me too. Um, but yes, they they are supposed to look at all those different metrics, but it has proven the RPI has been uh, used and, and valued quite heavily in the past. And, you know, you don't have a ton of control over that. Some of the teams that you schedule to play don't have as good a seasons as maybe you originally thought. Um, I definitely believe we're, we're one of the top uh, 20 programs in the country right now, if not higher. I uh, want a chance to prove that, certainly. Um, but again, not much we can do at this point. Get ourselves to the tournament 
you know, hopefully play one more game on Southfield and then head out to wherever they, they put us and uh, have a lot of confidence in this team. Our ability to score goals is, is phenomenal. Um, and I don't think many teams that would be faced to play us have seen a team quite like ours. Jen Rockwood on BYU Sports Nation. I'm going to commission Jerem right now to create that new metric. I ain't nobody got time I'd for this. I want someone to work else with to him do on it. that, the soccer power <laughs> index. So we'll get on that. Uh, in the meantime, I do want to focus on the seniors because, as you mentioned, it's, it's an emotional senior night, chance to win a conference championship. What have the seniors meant to your team, specifically uh, leading off Michaela Coulihan and Cameron Tucker? You know, it's, it's always a, a – a tough time of year, at least for us as coaches, our staff, you know, have, having spent so much time and energy with these fantastic players and, and young women who have done such a tremendous job in supporting our program and, you know, bringing us to a national level. Um, certainly Kayla uh, has had a phenomenal career. One of the best players who have ever worn a BYU jersey has um, led this team on and off the field. Such a tremendous role model um, and a captain for us. You know, also Cameron Tucker, who has had a stellar senior season, one of the top goal scorers in the country, along with Kayla. You have our other captain, Cass, um, in goal, who has also done a phenomenal job. She's been with the program for seven years and had ups and downs through her career uh, with injuries. You know, everybody's faced uh, adversity, but also celebrated such fun times. And it's a it's a great time to honor our, our seniors. We also have Ashton um, that will be finishing up her career and uh, McKaylee Moore who will be finishing up her. So, oh, and so obviously Grace Johnson um, who was a transfer and got a little extra year with us because of COVID. So COVID has kept these seniors around an extra year. And as a coaching staff, we couldn't be more proud to be a part of um, their career and, and honoring them tonight and or tomorrow night and hopefully uh, with a WCC championship. That'd be a nice way to go out. And then a first round game. I uh, should mention uh, still number one in scoring offense, uh, most goals per game in the country, which is incredible. Get out to Southfield and watch this team. Uh, Cameron Tucker's third, and Michaela Coulihan's 11th in goals per game. That's just insane. So at this point, do you feel like you're going to host a first round game in the NCAA tournament? And then you'll probably, if you win that, go out on the road for a second rounder? That That is our plan right now. That is what we're looking forward to. We know so much of it will rely on how we play tomorrow night. So, you know, everybody going to the football game, hopefully they'll stop by Southfield on their way home and come support this phenomenal team. Um, one of the best attacking team BYU soccer has ever put together. And the plan is to, you know, score a bunch of goals against one of the top teams in the country right now for the WCC championship. Now, speaking of football, the BYU football community on social media and in-house are very excited about a recruit that has announced that he is coming to BYU. We can't mention his name specifically until everything has been cleared by compliance. But, Jen, now that I think about mm -hmm. it, you're used to these high-level recruits picking BYU women's soccer. Mm -hmm. So what's the advice you have for the guys over at the football offices to bring in more of these high-level recruits? Because you've been doing it for a long time. Well, it's all about the recruits. It's all about the players. It doesn't matter what kind of coach you are. If you don't have great players and great kids who are committed to your program and your university, you're not going to have a lot of success. So bringing in those players to, to, to wear the jersey and to be a part of the program is, is what makes a program. So, um, yes, with the National Letter of Intent signing coming up, for football and for soccer, we'll be adding eight new players to our roster for okay. our future. They'll be a huge part of what we'll be doing in the future. 
Oh, we're looking forward to that. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma as you compete for a conference championship tomorrow. You know what to do with it. Share the love. Uh, make sure you have your conversation with Cam Tucker. That's going to be important. We'll be yes. watching that. Always. <laughs> Jen, Always. It's great to have you on the show. We appreciate all you do. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate what you do. Appreciate it. Head coach of BYU women's soccer, Jennifer Rockwood, number Jennifer 12 Rockwood team in the country, in the number house. one scoring team in the country. Number one in your heart, Spence. If they dominate, let's just say let's let's say they dominate Pepperdine tomorrow. Dominate would be plus three. Yeah, right. So yeah. let's say they win by three goals. That'd be amazing. Would that be enough? Just maybe. No. To to maybe convince the tournament committee who's watching closely that all right, maybe there they are the number sixteen seed. Because they seed sixteen teams. They do. RPI is the worst. I know, it really is. I, it's terrible. No, it's it's awful. Not because BYU's low in it, because it is terrible. <laughs> If BYU was high in it, I, if BYU was number one in RPI, I'd still say it's terrible. What okay? does Jerem Jordan's soccer power index say? Well, I'm time for that. Someone else that pays attention more should do that. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. You know what? It's time to help the Cougar football cause. 15th ranked BYU has six weeks and three games left to prove they still deserve a New Year's Six bowl game nod. They'll definitely need some help from other teams. Scoreboard watching will be epic. But first question is, Jerem, can BYU do anything on its own to climb into the top 10 of the college football playoff rankings? No. I don't think BYU can beat Idaho State beat the bye, beat Georgia Southern, and beat USC, and climb five spots. It has to be other teams losing combined with BYU winning convincingly. Obviously, BYU's got to win, but BYU needs to win convincingly against, uh, obviously, Idaho State, Georgia Southern in two weeks, and then BYU needs to beat USC by 17-plus. That's got to happen. But when you look at people in front of BYU – I don't know that there's going to be enough losses to get up five spots. That feels like a lot. Like I don't feel like Bama, uh, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincy, Michigan are going to fall too far. Granted, Michigan plays Ohio State still and Penn State, but Penn State lost to Illinois. So who knows what Penn State is? Oklahoma's going to lose though. Oklahoma at eight. I start. It starts to get interesting for me. Oklahoma's playing Baylor next week. Mm-hmm. Massive game. Go Baylor. Let's go. Um, Oklahoma State as well, who's ranked 11. So they play two of the top 12 already. And Oklahoma disrespected at eight and undefeated. Like, I think they think they should be, like, number three, right? Okay, number nine, Wake Forest. Do we really believe Wake Forest is going to stay in the top ten? No, they're a three-point underdog at four and four North Carolina this weekend. They still have number 19, North Carolina State. They still have Clemson. I know Clemson struggle, but still Clemson. Number 10, Notre Dame. They don't play anybody. Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford. Go they, Virginia. They might, yeah. Well, is Brandon Armstrong out? I don't know. Uh, number eleven, Oklahoma State. They still play Oklahoma, right? West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech. Two of those three teams that I just four teams I just mentioned fired their coaches. So I, I don't know. They'll still win. Baylor's got Oklahoma still left. Auburn. Auburn has two, uh, three ranked teams, including Alabama. Auburn's out of there. Um, and then Texas A&M. Auburn could have five losses. By the end of the regular season. <laughs> Seriously. And then Texas A&M has 13th-ranked Auburn, 16th-ranked Mississippi, still unranked LSU. So there's, I think BYU can get up to like 12th or something. That's what it feels like. Maybe 11th. In the top 10 would be a stretch. Feels That's like. the number, 12, that 
we have kind of pointed to in the past, right? Okay, got to be in the top 12 in the college football playoff rankings to feel like you have a legitimate shot of getting into a New Year's Six bowl game. Well, but maybe. It depends on what bowl games are in the playoff. It Like, every year is... Very Every year is different, and let's talk about that. Auto champs get yes, in. Yes, let's or not, talk about that. You know? And it's not a great year for it. It no. feels like there will be three spots. Yeah. However, if Cincy's in the playoff, if Cincinnati makes the college football playoff, yeah. that fulfills the Group of Five auto bid requirement, thus opening up another at-large spot. Do we actually think Cincy's going to get in the playoff? Who knows what it would take I, to get Cincinnati in the playoffs? I don't feel like it. They just put them at six. Does they it have like, to be mass carnage at three, four, and five for Cincinnati yeah. to hopefully get in at number like, four? Georgia's going to get in. They're get, they're, Georgia's not going to lose twice. Is Alabama going to lose? Probably not. They might lose to Georgia in the SEC title game. So two loss Alabama with a loss at Texas A&M and a loss in the SEC championship game. Would they get into the college football playoffs? Who lost Alabama is getting in, you'd think. Given the history here, this has happened. Over an undefeated team like Cincinnati. Yeah. I can Probably. see that scenario happening. I yeah. can, But if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, oh, it's a done deal. The SEC will have two one-loss teams in the college football playoff. Yeah. So really it feels like there's nothing that can happen in the SEC outside of another shocker, Alabama losing to the likes of Maybe LSU this week or Auburn, they, which is just not going to happen. 13th ranked Auburn. I mean, it's happened before where Alabama looked unbeatable and was undefeated, but probably not. Okay, so Cincinnati, the first thing that all BYU fans should hope for is that Cincinnati can somehow, through a backdoor channel, through mass carnage <laughs> from spots three, four, and five above them, can get into the top four. Michigan State can lose to Ohio State. And Absolutely, get they can. Oregon can easily be displaced. If you can lose to Stanford, you can lose to a lot of teams. So here's the thing, though. They have the best win in college football at Ohio State. The second thing that needs to happen is the college football playoff. And again, we just documented this is unlikely because the SEC looks like they're going to get two teams in. If there are four teams from four different conferences in the college football playoff, that bodes a little bit better for BYU as well, based on potential tie-ins and... Uh, the spread of the automatic bids over the four conferences. It's going to be example, hard to displace one of those teams, though. Like, like when Virginia went to the Orange Bowl, it's because uh, you know Clemson had gone to the playoff. It depends on where the national championship game is. The AC, it's the Orange Bowl this year is one of the national semifinals. So if the ACC team were to get in to the college football playoff, that would, know that would fulfill yeah. the auto bid. Yeah. But the ACC is not good this year. No, the ACC is terrible. So some people were like, no, 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 root for Wake Forest to make the college football playoff. Not gonna That's not going to happen. They playoff. they can't do enough. They're number nine right now. They and they have they have who are they going to play that matters? NC State's the only ranked team left on the schedule. Then there's the idea that you know what teams above BYU, all teams above BYU just need to lose. And my guy Ryan Teeples, some of them win. Pointed this out to other. me yesterday. <laughs> there there are some nuanced things that could happen with a team like Oklahoma and a team like Oregon and Wake Forest that would better suit BYU if they are still above BYU and not allowing another team from somewhere way down the line to win the auto bid and then thus creating a scenario where, let's say Oregon loses the Pac-12 championship game, but they're number five Mm. and they drop to number nine or ten. Then Oregon's going to get in along with – Whoever wins the Pac-12 championship game and go to the Rose Bowl, so Oregon takes another at-large spot. 
So you need the Pac-12 to have one team. You need the Big 12 to have one team. Yeah, Utah wants Oregon to go to the playoffs so it can go to the Rose, Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Is is very very interesting. I don't believe with two losses BYU is going to get into a New Year's Six. I it, it's fun to like talk through all the scenarios. I just don't believe it's actually going to happen. A lot of things need to happen. The chances don't seem great based on everything. But you know They're what? Not, if no, there, if there is a college football season that would produce this, it's this year because it has been unprecedented. An average of six teams per week are losing in the top 25. An average. Great. It's great. And we anticipate that more of that will happen this weekend because it just happens every week right now, it feels it like. It ain't happening in Provo this week, that's for sure. It's, it's a fun conversation for sure. You know what sucks, though? To go from the possibility of New Year's Six to Independence Bowl, like that, <laughs> no offense to the Independence Bowl, but that gap is really wide. Yeah, does BYU want to play Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl or UTEP in the Independence Bowl? Very disappointing. That gap is very wide. Our question of the day. What... I'm, I'm happy. 15th. 72. I'm happy. They're in the conversation. I'm happy. Because of Six... that. BYU is in the conversation because of the number 15 rank. I'm good. I don't need to be in the New Year's Six to be happy. I'm great right now. I'm great. We're going to dive into, in detail, and I'll send these out over Twitter, what needs to happen. Well, all the, Again, I sent out a, a, a preemptive strike on the teams that BYU needs to root for. Things have changed a little bit after some conversations I've had. Let's hear from you, BYU Sports Station, and get to our question of the day. What can BYU do in its own to climb the college football playoff rankings? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is The Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. David Woolsey on Twitter. Shut out Idaho State. Allow only one score from Georgia Southern. Fill the Coliseum with BYU fans. Bulls like to know they can fill stadiums. BYU didn't fill up LES on Saturday. That was an 8-15 kickoff on Halloween weekend. I'm giving him an excuse. Okay. And, I was disappointed. And David Woolsey says they have to beat USC by 10-plus. See, I agree with Seven, that. 17. <laughs> Let's go. That's a lot. Well, are a you a lot at USC? BYU will probably Utah, be like it. a touchdown favorite. Utah. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We should note that each week during the season, the BYU football team honors someone who is dealing with a significant challenge. That person becomes part of the team at that point. I know it well because my dad, Kent, was one of these true blue heroes. Afu Fiafia is the son of David Fiafia, an assistant coach on the Idaho State football team. Clearly, it's bigger than football, as you'll see in this week's Deep Blue special. Man, that big smile, bro, just brought so much light to all of us, bro. We uh, came together as a team and heard your story, and um, you're like a younger brother to us. But even though you're younger than us, you're way more brave and way more stronger than us. Kind of when things started open back up uh, from the pandemic, we kind of threw them into a whole bunch of sports. Football, number one basketball and track. So he had year-round, you know, seasons would overlap. He'd go from one sport to the next. Um, well, I was working out a lot during the summer, and, like, I had personal records that I wanted to break with the lifting. So I would go to the gym with my dad and my brother, 
and we would lift like almost every morning. You know, late July, he started to feel some of his, some, some pain in his lower left calf. My kids, where they play a lot of sports, this, that's like a normal thing, you know? And it's like, we kind of go through lists, like, how much did you drink today? Like, how much did you sleep last night? You know, did you stretch? Did you warm up? We kind of go through the normal list of things, and usually they're like, oh, no, I, okay, go drink some more water, or go, you know, take a little nap. So it kind of got more and more serious where he was starting to limp a little bit. And with football season approaching, we kind of thought maybe we should just have him checked out and just make sure, you know, it's not anything that needs to be addressed. So about the third week in July, we had an MRI done and they called us pretty quickly to come into the office. And it was the day before we were leaving to Greece on a family vacation. And I said, well, can we just come in? We'll be back next week. Can we just, you know, I've got a lot going on. She said, oh, the doctor will wait for you. Why don't you guys head, head right over? The doctor came in and uh, confirmed that it was cancerous. It started in his bone and came out into his muscle and then spread to lymph nodes and other parts of his body, including his lungs. And with it being an aggressive cancer, like a Ewing sarcoma, and how advanced it was, the outcome was not good. Survivability is low, even with chemo, and then also has a high return rate after that, a high chance of it coming back. You don't really know how long he's gonna be here. You don't know if he's gonna live to see his next birthday. You don't know if he's gonna have the opportunities to be able to play high school sports or get married in the temple to have children. You know, those are kind of the thoughts that are rolling in my mind of the future for him. Definitely at the beginning, I was thinking, why is all this happening to me? And then I started to have a greater understanding of why this is happening. Maybe it's to bring people closer together and to make me and my family's faith stronger and have a stronger family bond. And My husband, at the beginning of this, there was like a quote that he came across somehow, and he said, you never know how strong you are until you have to be. And it's like crunch time for our family right now. Like it's, it's like if, if we're not gonna be strong now, then we're never gonna be, you know? And we are determined to get what we need to get out of this experience. We don't want it to be in vain. Like we don't wanna walk away from this when we were supposed to learn something and we were supposed to act on certain feelings and to, to fall short of that. Like we, it's our son's life. Let's go! I could tell he loved that. Just having all the players yell his name. Knowing why he's here, I think it means a lot. I know that he's motivated by things like that. He's, a, he's an athlete, and so seeing all these athletes just rally around him, they don't really know him, but they know a little bit about him. So it was awesome. We haven't really talked about percentages with my family because we know that it doesn't matter if it's a 99% survival rate or if it's a 1% survival rate, I'm gonna be the 1% and I'm gonna beat it. I can't wait for you to get through this battle and through this fight so that I can see you back on the football field and on the basketball court.
Like, I'm so proud of him and that he's my son. We'll stand united for you. Love you. I hope that this is part of his story that he has to tell, you know, years down the road and what shaped him to be who he is. incredible young man and I can't tell you how happy I am to report that his cancer is in remission nice nice um man I'm, I'm I got tears in my eyes um I don't I don't think people really understand how much of a difference stuff like this you know can can make it and the impact you know I, I had a, a good friend and, and his son was going through cancer as well. This is a couple of years ago, and went and, and did the 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 True Blue, and and um, was a Thursday's hero. And man, I mean, when I see him now, he still talks about that to this day. Sure. And and he was able to beat cancer as well. So you know, things like this, it may look small on the outside, but it 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 goes a lot a long long way. So I I appreciate you know BYU um, for for doing this and and being consistent with it as well. We're so happy for uh, the Fia Fias and uh, look forward to watching David on the sidelines and Afu uh, certainly cheering for both teams this weekend when the Cougars take on the Bengals at LaBelle Edwards State. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Oh, it's going to be a super senior day at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for all of the reasons we have already listed, including perfect weather, BYU's number 15 in the country. They have five power five wins. They're seven and two. They're about to be nine and two with a chance at 10 wins to close out the season against USC. Mm. And everybody that's going to be at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and watching on BYU TV just might have a final opportunity to watch a handful of notable BYU players. We'll see who actually puts their name on the list of we want to be honored because this might be our final game at LES. So, Jeremy, I ask you, which non-seniors, of course, know the seniors, which non-seniors might be playing their final home game on Saturday? There are a bunch of juniors who are fourth-year guys who last year were juniors and are this year are juniors. If Zach Wilson had come back, by the way, he'd be a junior this year. <laughs> So that, that's how weird it is. Obviously, Tyler Algier is a guy who, you know, 99.9%, this is going to be his last game. I'd be shocked if he came back to BYU last, uh, next year. He should go pro. He, the iron's hot. He should pull a Dax Milne, and he should go, right? Um, and the year that Tyler has had has gotten him to maybe the third or fourth round. Like, he's been so good this year. So Tyler Algier is an obvious one. Get to LES. Watch Tyler Algier in probably his final home game at BYU. And then there's a list that we put together. Uh, together earlier this uh, morning. So other guys that possibly might go, whether they're high NFL draft picks or not, James Empey might, although he's been banged up. He's not been himself the last kind of year, right? Gunnar Romney is a guy that has pursuits uh, that are similar to Dax Milne, wants to be in the NFL, has a similar skill set. Neil Pau, uh, I'd be surprised if Neil's back. I think Neil goes. Uh, Lupini Katoa is an interesting one on this list that we talked about. 
Um, so, oh, NFL? No, but um, maybe there are other career pursuits, right? You finish college, you move on. Um, you know, he said this week he's still deciding. That's why he's on the list. Peyton Wilgar um, hasn't had maybe the kind of PFF breakout year that I think no. maybe Cam Meller was hoping for, but a guy that may just go at this point. It's been a strange year for yeah. the linebackers with the injury of Keenan Peely and Wilgar's role has shifted. He hasn't been able to do what he typically is able to do yes. if Keenan Peely is playing. Like as a freshman, I would say that was Peyton's best year, right? Um, so maybe he comes back. I don't know. I don't know if all these guys bounce or not. I won't be shocked if they all leave because, listen, just because you have an extra year doesn't mean you take it. Like, honestly, th- think about Baylor Romney in his situation. If you're Baylor Romney, like, Jaron Hall's proven he's the guy. Like, Baylor's the clear backup, and then Jacob's the future at, at the third string. What if you get some uh, uh, opportunity professionally? You're, uh, like, he's married, and maybe he moves. I don't yeah, know. What if there's this amazing opportunity in the private sector, and you're going to make a bunch of money? Or public. Uh, either one. But, like, yeah, who knows? I'm not saying he's leaving. I'm just saying there are things to consider here. Tyler Algier, and I love what Matt Barry of ESPN College Football podcast said. Matt Barry, I really like him. Okay, so Matt Barry talking with Kirk Herbstreit said, "Listen, if Tyler Algier was playing anytime before like 7 p.m. Eastern time, then he would be included with all of the top tier players, have some legitimate Heisman talk, some Doak Walker talk, but he just." Because he's played a few games super late against Arizona State and against Arizona and most recently against Virginia, he's kind of relegated to that back tier. He's not as common of a name as Bijan Robinson and Kenneth Walker the third because he's not playing in that really primetime spotlight. Well, and on ESPN specifically. So, right. so some of his best games, let's talk about the three best games for Tyler Algier, to, to your point, and I really like that comment um, as well, is uh, when he goes for 200-plus at Utah State. It's Friday night in CBS Sports Network. Yep. Okay, so Friday was good, but late. CBS Sports Network still is different, late. right? Not the same exposure. Um, still, still good, but late. Uh, and then Washington State was on FS1. Kind of a sleepy afternoon game, not on ESPN. Yeah, and, and the, numbers, there. the numbers from that game were actually the smallest in terms of viewership of any game that BYU had played to that date. Because FS1. Yes. And then, uh, you know, Virginia, whoa! Like, the the first half got the attention of the country, but then the East Coast went to bed. 50% of the population lives in the Eastern time zone. Don't forget that. It's a big deal, right? So, yeah, that point is super valid. Tyler Algiers, one of the best running backs in the country. He should be... Uh, a Heisman dark horse. He should be a Doak finalist. You know, the, the kind of year that he's having. He leads the country in rushing touchdowns. He's third in yards per game. Like, he is a beast. And he's having, I mean, he's got a shot at the all-time single-season record, um, you know, against, uh, you know, Luke Staley's 01. He's got a shot to go 1,500 if there are four games left and he averages 125. Amazing. He he's he's gonna do it, right? Obviously, we would love for Tyler Algier to come back and play against that 2022 BYU football schedule and BYU ranked Notre in the top 25. Oregon, amazing. Someone, Arkansas. Someone's gonna play at Oregon after, and then uh, you know, Stanford five P fives. Okay, and okay. high quality three power top five 25 games, teams. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we would love for Tyler Algier to come back, but given what we just laid out and the stock that he has right now. Is it going to benefit him to come back 
and play another year. How much no, better leave. could his no. stock get? Maybe no. one more round better? Maybe? No. If no. he has a breakout year? But you're a running back. I mean, there's so it's many, so many miles in the NFL, right? So many miles on those tires. Like, no, no, no. He, it, it'd be awesome if he came back. Trust me, it'd be amazing. Oh, Tyler, for the record, he should Tyler, go. If, he if should. you ever hear this, we would love, 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 continued love. <laughs> You'd keep playing at BYU in 2022. You, you should leave. But we it's, understand. BYU needs uh, Tyler O'Gear to leave and be good. Here's why. Because that's a recruiting boon. Look what we're doing. We're putting guys in the league. They, you need like if you're going to be uh, the, and the skill players, the, yes, skill players, the Jamal kind Williams, of the kind Tyler of players Algier, that we've talked about BYU trying to get and be and what you have to have early entry guys that go and are successful in the league. That's a recruiting boon. I don't want everyone to stay forever at BYU. There needs to be this needs to be a river constantly moving, churning, going, progressing, improving. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.